When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, IDP Army. Ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for, IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. IDP Army, it's your man Jordan Reigns. Back again. This is the IDP Army podcast where we are talking mostly IDP, all fantasy football. It's your first time listening to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. You're gonna definitely gonna come back, get some more information from us. We appreciate you. Um, you know, follow, thumbs up, all that good stuff. We're on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Um, wherever you consume your content, we are gonna be there. Five-star review would be awesome. Help the show out. Rating would be great. You don't have to, but, you know, it would mean a lot to me if you did. Um, So today's show is going to be a topic I've kind of been talking about for a little over a year now, just in a general kind of sense. Um, And we're not going to dive super deep into it, but I am going to just kind of bring it to the front of the the conversation again and kind of, you know, just explain it because I've seen uh, some people on Twitter and just... Facebook, just around, you know, the fantasy world where we all consume stuff, just not really sure what it is, not really sure it makes sense, not really sure that they can get behind it, which is fine. I mean, but um, it's a strategy I want to put forward that I think could help a lot of people win their leagues this next year. Uh, And I want to briefly go over my hits and misses from this last year. I'm not going to like deep dive into this, but I am going to, you know, highlight a few guys that I definitely whiffed on um, and then bring up a few guys that I think you know, I kind of nailed, I'm going to bring to your attention and then we'll just go into that. So yeah, there's not really much news at the moment. The Super Bowl's over, Chiefs lost. Um, go back and check out the last episode of the show. I believe that was episode 27. I had Nate Markham on and I had Jorge uh, Ed- Edwards on and we talked about the Super Bowl briefly. And um, that was like eight or nine minutes in. And I basically said, you know, the Chiefs are going to lose because the pass rush and the defense is just going to be the difference for Tampa Bay. That's exactly what happened. Chiefs offense just couldn't do 
anything to save their lives. <clears throat> so um, it's unfortunate, but you know, Tom Brady, there's it's not really a question or a conversation anymore. And you know, I appreciate that about him. So all right, so we're just gonna start. I'm gonna go over my three biggest misses of the year. I think these are guys that I really patted the table for, really pushed people to go get. Um, it just didn't work out. Uh, so the first one is Dante Fowler. He had a great season in 2019. He had like 11 and a half sacks. He had a bunch of pass deflections. He had a high number of tackles. I mean, things really just clicked for Devante, Dante Fowler in 2019. Uh, he's playing against Aaron Donald. He had, you know, Wade Phillips there as his coach. Just There was success for him. He got a big contract with the Atlanta Falcons, and then he went down to Atlanta this year. And he didn't do anything. I mean, didn't do anything. I mean, I don't even, he recorded like a couple of sacks. Like it was bad, like bad, bad. Um, I don't really know what to attribute this to necessarily. The system change, different players. Um, I do know though, however, he was injured late in training camp. So there was, I don't, I don't remember if it was an ankle or knee, but I know that he was not playing the season at a hundred percent. That's not really an excuse as a lot of guys that play through injuries, you know, but Dante Fowler was a guy that I said, just probably, you know, he finished as a top 10, top 12 defensive lineman in 2019. And I said, you know, that we've seen the upside now and we know that he's kind of eh ish, but I think there could be something here. Maybe he's hit his stride. Um, that was not the case. Now the asterisk on that was, it was the Falcons. If you watched the Falcons this last year, you know, that, Everything and anything they did was a disaster from top to bottom, you know, back, forth, side to side. It was just not good. So it wasn't a position of success for him to walk into necessarily. The injury was a situation, whatever, but he didn't finish anywhere. I don't, he didn't even finish in the top like 35, 36. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. They're, they're abysmally low. He was completely irrelevant essentially this year for fantasy. So that was a huge miss by me. I had, you know, I told people they should be taking him. And he was a guy I was kind of targeting like with a, like a pseudo uh, zero DL strategy, which I will talk about. I actually am looking at a draft here where I did get him very late. And I'm going to give you guys some examples of how that works. But, you know, the, the nature of the defensive line position is it's hit or miss. Um, and that can be a season long thing. And that can be a weekly thing. I mean, you got guys that put up big numbers and then do nothing the next week. So. My next biggest miss, I felt like, was Robert Quinn, another player who had a really phenomenal year in 2019, only played, I believe, 12, 13 games in uh, Dallas. He had more pressures. He had more sacks uh, than Demarcus Lawrence, who played the full season. And he really looked good uh, down the stretch and earned himself a big contract playing in Chicago this year. He also went into the season nicked up. I don't remember, again, if it was a knee or an ankle, but this is another guy I, I pounded the table for this offseason. I said, look, Robert Quinn still got it. We've seen his season-long upside in the past. He's an all-pro caliber player. When he's healthy, let's, you know, let's believe in something. Um, and he didn't do much of anything this year. Uh, he had a couple of games where he showed up on the box. We had a game where he had like a forced fumble. I mean, he had a lot of games where he did absolutely nothing. His snaps were low. He was injured a good chunk of the season also, so you have to put that into play. But he was on the field more than you would think, and he didn't do anything with it, unfortunately. Uh, really unfortunate. I was hoping for bigger things from Robert Quinn. I told a lot of people draft him. The good the good thing about both of these players are you didn't have to pay up for either of them really this last year. Um, they were kind of guys that you could get if you did implement a pseudo or a, a zero DL or, you know, zero DL basically means late round DL. I mean, 
nobody doesn't draft a player that they're going to play. That's silly. Um, so don't get don't 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 get in this semantics game with me on that. But um, Robert, who's a guy you can get late? Um, I'm actually looking at a draft board right now from last year where he was. Um, where was he taken in this draft? I'm looking at this draft with just an IDP draft this last year. It was all IDP players, and he wasn't even drafted in the first 10 rounds. So, I mean, you paid almost nothing for Robert Quinn. That's the reality of the situation. And that early miss part of the season where he didn't play a little bit definitely helped keep his price low. He didn't come through. Those are just the facts. He didn't come through, but he had a great season. Or, or he didn't. He had a great season in 2019, had a bad season this last year. You didn't pay too much for him, but it just it just didn't work out the way you wanted it to for Robert Quinn. I wanted it to for Robert Quinn. Um, having a lot of leagues, he spent a lot of time on the bench um, where he belonged, unfortunately. So those are my two kind of big misses for guys that I was kind of propping up, touting, whatever you want to call. My biggest miss of guys I was like, fade, 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 is definitely Deion Jones. Um, he finished as a top 10 linebacker this year. Uh, he played all 16 games, which has been something he's had a little trouble with in his career. But he ended the season, if you go back and check out the linebacker show I had with John Macri, that was three episodes ago, I believe, with Real Talk. We talked about how you know, he didn't have super high tackle numbers, but he was making impact plays all over the field. I mean, he was rushing the passer more than he ever has. He got home four and a half times, I believe. He did go over 100 tackles, not by a lot, but he did crest 100 tackles. Uh, he had a handful of pass deflections. Tackles for loss numbers were pretty good, and he stayed healthy. Um, and again, that Atlanta's two Atlanta players on here that I missed on. But for Deion Jones, for me, it was just I didn't see the impact plays going up to like I think at twenty five this year, which is a really high number for a linebacker. That's, that's I mean that's good. Um, I, I thought he might if he did get up there, it would be more in the tackle department. But I was wrong. Um, that's it. I was wrong. Roast me. You know, it happens. Deion Jones, uh, the good thing about him, though, was even though some people had him ranked highly, they weren't really pushing people to draft him where they had him ranked. So you were able to get Deion Jones, generally speaking, as like your linebacker two or three even sometimes in drafts. Um, And he came through with linebacker one numbers this year. So I had him as a fade. I think I had him ranked coming into the year. I apologize for not having this stuff right up in front of me, y'all. But I think I had him ranked like 19 or 20. So it wasn't a huge, huge miss uh, by me, but I still feel like it was a miss because, you know, the upside was available to see there um, with a little imagination. And so, yeah, missed on missed on Deion Jones. Didn't have him anywhere, but he had a good season, top 10 finish. So and I'm going to talk about a handful of my hits from this last year. Um, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because, I mean, this is not – this isn't information that's really going to change your life, but I just want to put it, put it out there. Um, so Jabril Peppers, if you know me, I was standing hard for Jabril Peppers last year. Um, he started out the season bad. Like it was just not good. I think he had 10 tackles in the first three games. He had rolled his ankle in like the 10th snap of the third game, missed the fourth game. So the first month of the season, you're looking at a safety that I was telling you is going to be a top five guy with 10 tackles in four games, played only three games. I was sweating, y'all. I was sweating pretty good, okay? Not going to lie to you. But Peppers came back in, and from week 7 to 14, he basically averaged 25 points a game. Just to understand what that means, that's 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 OP elite insanity. Um, and it was enough to make up for the fact that he missed a game 
basically missed essentially missed two games because of the rolled ankle in the early parts of week three and the slow start. And he was still able to shoot himself up into the top 10 at defensive backs this season. He set career highs in tackle for loss. He set career highs in sacks. He set career highs in tackles. He set career highs in pass deflections. He did all of this after starting out the season with essentially just 10 tacks or 10 tackles in the first four games. Um, that shows you of the, you know, if he would have started a little sooner, really the kind of trajectory he could have had. He did save himself. And I, you know, I'm just saying, you know, I can only compare to the the pool of people out there saying what I say or saying similar things to what I say or different things to what I say. And I know a lot of people were not necessarily big on Jabril Peppers because he hadn't done it yet. Um, and I heard him called more often than not by other, you know, folks around the the uh, the fantasy football IDP community as a, a defensive back too. Uh, I thought that was just really rude and just unimaginative. And if, if you really believe that you weren't paying attention to what he was doing in 2019 when he was pacing for defensive back five through the first 12 weeks. So to me, that was just like one of those things where it was, it was a holdover conversation. It was a holdover narrative from 2018 and 16 or 17. Um, so I was definitely on him as a top guy. He finished top eight. He had some bad weeks, but I mean, he was defensive back one essentially from week seven on the rest of the season um he was crushing faces and yeah he, he came through in a big way for me and anyone who held on to him through those early weeks Kari willis is another guy i have some actual numbers for this one i went back he was a guy that on our, our my guy show back on the idp 401 podcast um that i said look fantasy pros had him ranked consensus defensive back 51 coming into the season 51 for a strong safety uh, for a guy that had like 75, 80, I think, tackles as a rookie, playing like 60% of snaps. And I was just like, mm, that don't make no sense to me. Um, you know, we know the the safety situation on the Colts has been like a, a complete total disaster for IDP the past couple of years. So you saw this kid coming in, and he's looking good, and he's trending to be the guy there. You had players on his own team. Anthony Walker, I remember, had an interview. Several players I saw from Colts and had interviews were like, Y'all, Kari Willis is the guy you need to be paying attention to on our defenses next year. I heard that multiple places from them. He didn't finish with an uber prolific season, but he did finish uh, defensive back 26 overall. Like I said, he was ranked 51 coming into the season on Fantasy Pros. That was just that didn't make any sense to me, and I kind of called that out and said, look, he's he's going to finish top 30. You can go back to that episode on the IDP 401 podcast if you want to. I wouldn't recommend it because I wouldn't support that podcast anymore because I don't know what the hell's going on over there. But um, I said it. I said he was going to finish the top 30 guy, and he did. Uh, I thought, you know, that's 20 positions difference. I don't understand why people were fading Kari Willis. He was actually a guy I heard people – legitimately just call out like he's not going to be very good this next year you know good is a relative term i'm here for fantasy points um so he finished a lot higher than he was ranked another guy i missed on but this is with an asterisk was fred warner um i said coming into the year fred warner's not a linebacker one he didn't finish as a linebacker one thankfully i think he finished like linebacker 14 here's the thing about fred warner y'all he scored 25 percent of his fantasy football points this year in week 16 and 17 championship week when only two people are playing for the first and it's week 17 when nobody's playing a quarter of his production came in the two most least important weeks of the season. He shit on your team all year. He was like linebacker 40, 42, something stupid like that up until week 15. Um, but he blew up. And if you go back and look at his career, he's, this is what he does. 
he 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 does just enough in a couple of games to show up Fred Warner um and keep him in your lineup and the announcers love him the commentators love talking about Fred Warner they love comping Fred Warner to Bobby Wagner and Deion Jones and it just if a comp is not there one um those guys do a lot bigger numbers on the field. Sure, he's good in coverage. I don't understand everybody's obsession fetish with coverage in the fantasy football world. It's it's really weird to me because it doesn't really translate to anything but snaps. But if you don't get points per snap, what does it mean to be on the field more snaps? Just give me a more efficient player. Um, give me someone who's not Fred Warner, essentially. And it was a little bit controversial. I had Fred Warner behind Cunningham coming into the year. Cunningham finished as a top five linebacker. Fred Warner didn't even finish as a top uh, a linebacker one, which I said he wouldn't. So that was a big hit for me. I'm, you know, I feel very justified in that, and I still don't understand why people are super high on Fred Warner. He's never really proven himself to be that guy on a week in week out type of basis. Um, so I was happy I faded him. I told people to fade him. Here's what I'm pretty proud of. I actually made a little graphic for this one. Um, so coming into the year, I wrote a couple articles for Dynasty Nerds last year. One of them was I, I wrote a three part series on the rookie rushers from the 2019 class. The first article went over the big dogs. Well, they were in 2008 or 19. It was Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, and Max Crosby. All those guys hit big numbers. The second article I wrote was about Montez Sweat, Brian Burns, and I think Chase Winovich was the other guy I wrote. Well, in this article, if you're watching on the YouTube, which I recommend you do because I, you know, we pull up graphics and we pull up some stuff sometimes on the YouTube channel. Love my podcast, people. Y'all where my, my heart is, but... You know, if you want to get the more bang for your buck, head over to the YouTube channel. But I wrote and I have it on the screen right now. If you're watching, I says I said in this article is from, I think, June or July. I said both of these young players and I'm referring to in this article, I was in a spot where I was talking about Montez Sweat. But I was talking about Chase Young coming into the situation. I said both of these young players have a chance to shine in 2020 and could both finish as top 15 defensive line options. Young being the better talent means you have faced more double teams, blah, blah, blah. You can go check out the article on Dynasty Nerds. Go on there. Just go to the IDP page. Find my uh, author page. You know, you click it. Find it. On the screen here, I have the finishes of Montez Sweat and Chase Young this year. Montez Sweat finished as the defensive line player eight, and Chase Young played as the defensive line or finished as the defensive line player 15 on the season. It was kind of hot takey when I put it out there, I felt like. But, you know, I'm not scared to put, put my – my thoughts out there. Um, and I really believe that I put it in writing black and white. It's on the internet. You can go find it. Um, and Montez Sweat and Chase Young both finished as top 15 defensive line options. Both of them have only been in the NFL a combined three years. Montez Sweat is in his sophomore year. Chase Young is in his first year. Interestingly, Chase Young played about 80 more snaps than Montez Sweat, but Montez Sweat finished with a little bit, a few more points than he did. Um, both these guys are going to be high level players for a long time. Get him on your team. Chase Young's probably going to be the more expensive guy to get, but do not sleep on what Monta Sweat brings to the table. Um, and they could both be top 15 options again next year uh, pretty easily based off what I saw this year. So I wanted to highlight that really quick. Um, and the last one is Jason Pierre-Paul. So if you listen to my the DL show last week or whatever, Jason Pierre-Paul was a guy that I said coming into the year in Fantasy Pros, he was ranked as the defensive line player 29. I, I was flabbergasted when I saw that. I brought that up again on the show, on the podcast. I don't really recommend you go listen to, but you can if you want. Um, and I said, you know, Mont, that's it's insanity. He shouldn't be that low. He was pacing 
he was pacing point for point with Miles Garrett in 2019. Both these guys played 10 games. He was point for point. Guess who the number one defensive line player on Fantasy Pros coming into the year was? All right. Guess who the 29th player on Fantasy Pros was? Jason Pierre-Paul. Guess where Jason Pierre-Paul finished this year? I haven't actually looked at the official Fantasy Pros rankings, but I think it was two. Um, it was one or two. Um, because in IDP one, two, three, TJ Watts and Darius Smith finished ahead of him, but I don't think that they're officially DL players. He finished as essentially the number one defensive line player. I don't know what these other guys are doing, thinking, seeing, but I was like, that's insanity. He is so much better than that. I had him in my top 15. Um, I probably should have him higher, obviously, but to be a consensus 29 and he finishes one, that just shows you that there's a real a real, this isn't contrived. This isn't me making shit up. There's a real disconnect in the IDP community um, about players and what's really kind of going on. The narratives around players is just like, it's a mess. I saw Jason Pierre-Paul get picked up on waivers in Dynasty Leagues this year. Jason Pierre-Paul was a zero DL target of mine because of that. And so this is a good spot to segue into the zero DL uh, conversation quickly before that i want to remind you go check out the patreon patreon.com forward slash the idp army we're getting uh you know we got discord coming up i got my rankings coming up guys things are moving and shaking behind the scenes i 100 promise you that this is not a joke this is not a drill this isn't some dumb little idp podcast and i'm not out here just spitting bullshit okay like shit's going down for real if you've been rocking with me i appreciate that more than you know we are going places idp army believe that i'm happy you are here supporting me thank you so much and you can continue to do that so that me and steve can keep bringing other people up with us um so getting into zero dl kind of set the table here it's not complicated the idea of zero dl is this zero the defensive line position is a boom bust position by nature you can score zero points or you can score 50 points in a week it's similar to tight end and there isn't even really a tippy tip top guy you can count on like um travis kelsey unless it's tj watt but then you know depending on platform he might not be available to you um so the concept is essentially this the narrative in idp is you know a lot of people say just by default they just say it they don't really give a reason for it uh, they say you should draft a high level defensive line player early my question is why they fundamentally they score or they, they score less points than than linebackers do so you're putting yourself behind the eight ball they have a lower floor than linebackers do, and they have a lower ceiling generally. Than, I mean, similar ceiling, but lower floor than linebackers do. Um, you know, and they and they they steady off pretty quick too, in, in a similar way. So zero DL is essentially a draft strategy where you do not take a defensive line player early; you actually wait. So in a draft, uh, an only IDP draft, this might look like something like this, waiting until round six to take a defensive line player. When a lot of people are taking them early, you stack up on linebackers. You get Blake Martinez and you get Levante David, and then you circle back around last year and you get like Patrick Queen in the third. You know, And by this time, you know, there's about 30 guys gone. There's about 10, 15 line, or defensive line players gone. And then you can start to like pick through who's left. And just to give you an idea, I'm going to reference a, a a draft we did last year. Shout out to IDP Fantasy Blitz. He pulled this off. He did a, a zero DL draft strategy. He just did a, a practice. We did a mock and he did this. Um, you can go check zero DL hashtag on Twitter. There is information out there about it because 
This isn't a reactionary bullshit thing. This is a visionary thing. I've been thinking about this for over a year. I want to test the concept. I have tested the concept. It, it makes sense. Um, so he waited until the fifth round, and guess who he drafted in this mock? Zadarius Smith in the fifth round. He was the one, two, three, four. He was like the 18th defensive line player taken. Zadarius Smith finishes the number two overall defensive line player this year. There's a 12 man draft too. All right, you say okay, you know he hit. You know Jordan, you said as a boom bust position. You know everybody gets lucky. Fast forward another five rounds. So we go five rounds forward. There's another. I mean, this is defensive line player I'm looking here. He's like 30, 32. Guess who he takes? Montez Sweat. There's an effective zero DL draft right there. This guy took two top eight defensive line players. He didn't take his first one to almost 20. He took his second one in the 30s. I'm looking at this draft board. I'm seeing guys up here taking uh, Daniil Hunter in the first, Sam Hubbard in the fourth. Um, that didn't work out well. You got this guy taking Aaron Donald in the first. He took Carlos Dunlop in the seventh, Melvin Ingram in like the eighth. You could piece something together there, um, you know, but Donald didn't really help you that that much, um, especially when you think that you could have waited on somebody like DeForest Buckner, you know, over Aaron Donald. He had like one one point less than Donald. DeForest Buckner was drafted in this draft six rounds later. Six rounds later for a guy that got one point less. Why would you pay up for the defensive line position? It doesn't make any sense. J.J. Watt, he's another player this year that was a super deep. You could get him so late. So anyway, I want to, you know, so that that's one example. JPP, here's another example. This motherfucker spent, ended up number one defensive line player. He was going as almost a defensive line player three by expert consensus rankings. That should bother you. That should get you hot and bothered. That should make you question everything. It makes me question everything. Who are these people? What are they saying this for? Why are they saying this? Have they just been saying it because no one said anything else? I don't know. Finished number two at the position with a viable zero DL target. Listen to this. Jason Pierre-Paul, who finished I don't know, number one, number two, whatever. That's moot on fantasy pros. This guy put up two zeros this season. Zeros. So don't tell me that the defensive line position is something you need to invest early on. Whenever guys can go out there and play whole games and get zeros. When I could take a high level, a second, a third high level linebacker. I can take a mid-level safety that's never going to give me a zero. And I can get a boom bust Leonard Williams late. I can get a Larry Ogunjobi late. Sheldon Richardson this year. I picked him up on so many waiver wires. It was unreal. Played him every week. It was great. It was amazing. Um, and I was able to stack out lineups with high-level linebackers because of that. Montez Sweat. Again, I already brought him up. But he's a great example. He was routinely available as a high-end DL3, low-end DL2 in drafts. Finished as the DL8 this year. Ahead of, you know, a lot of big names. I don't even want to get into the weeds on that. You can go look this up. I can't do everything for you all. I can present you some information. I want you to do your own research. Don't believe everything I say. Go look it up. And when I say go look it up, I don't mean go listen to somebody else that's running their mouth. Go go do your own research. Um, what's a viable target? Brian Burns, another guy who was a, you know, taken in the 20s, 18, 19, 20, top 10 DL flesh. Um, J.J. Watt, DeForest Buckner, all these guys were not top 10, top 12, even top 15 ranked coming into the season and finished at that spot. Why? Because of the nature of the position. A couple of big games here, there, a couple of sacks, you know, you can push yourself up into that conversation quickly. Or inversely, 
you miss a couple of games and you actually don't produce, you know, uh, look at Sam Hubbard. I think he had two sacks this year. He was a top 10 guy the year before, but it was on the back of all of his tackles. Um, he missed some games. You know, he doesn't actually have any pop to him. He was still drafted as top 15 guy this last year because the tackle floor was there. But then you start to realize, well, if he doesn't have any boom potential, what's he really worth? Um, so I saw a lot of people that took high end DLs this year, including myself in some leagues and didn't pan out. It's just, it did not work very well. Um, you can stream the position. I mean, look, like I said, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams, these guys were pick upable and playable um, off of the, the off the off the waiver wires. Justin Houston's these guys, you know, they they were available very late, and you could plug them in, and you're only missing two three points a week off of some of these higher end players. Um, yeah, I mean, and really, you're only in a ten to 12, 12 man league. Only about ten teams are ten teams are going to be in a position where. Their DL spot is a boom bust spot. Only one or two guys are going to get players who actually hit all season long. So just in general, knowing that those numbers, you already are behind the eight ball. You're gambling. Two guys are going to nail it. And the rest of you are going to be, you know, rolling out Derek Barnett's, you know, and the Josh Sweats of this world. But you know what? Whenever you're doing that and you're playing the other nine guys in your league that are doing that, Who's going to win? The guy who double stacked and triple stacked Roquan Smith and Blake Martinez. That's who's going to win that fight. So don't waste your time trying to nail this top end guy. Hope you get him. Hope you get him with a late pick too. You know what I mean? The way people pulled off a Robert Tanyan this year at the tight end position. Um, and I think it's really important again to reiterate, Jason Pierre-Paul finished the top of the position with two zeros. The volatility of this position, the lower floor of this position means high draft capital spent on it is just unwise. Um, and then let's talk about some numbers, okay? The NFL's changing. Let's talk about the defensive line position was down this year in sacks. Um, total sacks this year for defensive line position was 742. 2019, it was 897. That's crazy. You mean we missed almost we missed what did we miss here? 150 sacks this year on the defensive line position. Where they go? Well, they didn't all go this way, but we did see an uptick in defensive back sack totals this year. There was 121 and a half defensive back sacks. You're like, okay, what does that mean relatively? The previous four years leading up to that, 16 through 19, the average was 94. So we saw a 12 percent increase based on the average in defensive back sacks. Now a more telling number than that is this, um, I think, 26 defensive backs in 2020 had at least two sacks. So at least 26 guys got home twice. In the previous four seasons before that, the high was 18. 18 guys had two sacks, and that only happened twice. So that number is actually generally lower. Coordinators, defensive coordinators, defensive coaches are realizing that with using some of these corners to blitz. Maybe they're not great in coverage. You know, these guys have multiple skill sets. Look at Jamal Adams. He went to went to Seattle and they realized your strength is a pass rusher. We're not it's not a novelty thing. It's something you're actually good at. That made him rush the passer. Yeah, he had like a 30% win rate. Oh, Jordan, that's unsustainable. I didn't didn't I say it was sustainable? Please just stop. Okay. It'll be fine. He's good at that. He's going to continue to do that. He has a goal to do that. He's in an organization that wants him to do that. The NFL is changing. Look at Mike Hilton. He was blitzing a lot this year. You got guys like Malcolm Butler who've kind of been doing this for – not Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, who've kind of been doing this for a couple of years where these corners are, you know, 
turning into these more hybrid players where they're doing a little bit more. So we saw factually sacks were up for the defensive back position over the last few years. Sacks are down for the defensive line position. So again, why would you spend high capital on a position that's trending to where one of its primary pieces of the pie as far as points is trending down? Now, you say trend, Jordan, that's just a, a small sample. It's just one year. Okay. I mean, you you are right. That's just one year. But we saw it happen a lot. And you can go back to the previous four years and look at the numbers. Um, the last four years, uh, defensive back sack totals, only once has it gone over 100. That was 2018. and got up to 113. Um, it's really floating around 81 in 2016, 94 in 2017, 113, a little spike there in 2018, and then a drop down to 98 and then 121. Uh, you look at the defensive line uh, sacks, it hasn't been under 800 since 2016. So that whole position was just down, like and the sacks were just down. Again, why? I don't know. Volatility. There's volatility to the defensive line position. And thinking that you're going to be the guy that picks the right top 10 defensive line player that's going to be a play every week and help you win, it's folly. Um, and I just... I just feel very strongly about this IDP army. There will be pushback in the community. There will be people that say I'm an idiot. They might be right. Um, I don't think I am, though. This is how I'm going to be playing fantasy football this year. This is how I'm going to be approaching drafts. This is how I'm going to be approaching trades. I'm not going to overpay for defensive line players flashy names. I'm going to be selling some guys this year. and I'm going to be flat out. I'm selling my Joey Bosa shares. I'm selling my uh, Miles Garrett shares. 100% across the board this year. Why? Those are big names. Those guys are like 25, 26. And those guys don't put up a lot of auxiliary stats. But what are they? They're they're pass rushers. They get talked about a lot. And the narrative that I'm, as far as I know, the only person challenging right now is that those guys are worth a lot to your fantasy team. If you can find somebody who believes that narrative and thinks I'm an idiot, you need to be selling these players to them because – there is, there are sacks, there are tackles, there are points available to you at the defensive line position that, yes, while they are not maybe the same ceiling on a season-long basis, we know the defensive line position is volatile, and week-to-week, week, guys can pop. You can have a four-sack game like Leonard Williams did. You can show up out of nowhere and blow up. It just it, it happens. Look at Aaron Donald. Thirty percent of his sacks this year came in one game against Alex Smith. It, it happens. Guys run out there and they get these big games happen. So don't try and put this position in, overemphasize this position is, is what I'm saying. So again, I'll talk about this more. I don't feel like I articulated that necessarily as well as I could, but I want to put this information out there. Start digging, start researching, start looking in your leagues. Oh, another thing I wanted to bring up. I got to give a shout out to my man, John Fisher. He did a lot of the research on the numbers on this for me. Appreciate that, John. Guys, IDP Army is growing. If you want to get involved, hit me up. I mean, I don't can't promise you anything, but if you got some skills and you you got some drive and you want to, you know, you want to be part of something special, like I said earlier in the show, I'm not playing games. Um Hit me up. I mean, we are growing. If you rock with me, I'll, I want to rock with you. And, you know, I want to bring you up in this game. I want to empower people. I want to, you know, we're going places. So um, I'll talk about this more. I might have some guests on to, you know, kind of, you know, have a little debate. on Because, again, I think that this is going to be a hot topic issue. Um, yeah. So just be aware. Um, what do you guys think? 
Do you think I'm an idiot? Go ahead and leave a comment below uh, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, IDP Army, I appreciate you guys. Quickly, I want to tell you, we've got a sponsor. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, we do. Prediction Strike. Go to predictionstrike.com. You can buy shares of NFL or NBA players or any you know sports players like their stocks. So basically, as they're doing well or doing bad, their value is increasing or decreasing like it would the stock market. You can deposit money quickly, easily there. You can buy shares of players that are maybe coming off injury that are a little bit of a dip, and you can start playing the, the you know, getting on the stock market game that everyone's in on. It may be in a field that you're a little more comfortable in. So check out Prediction Strike. Use the code IDP123, all caps IDP. You'll give, you know, you'll be supporting the IDP Army. They're going to give you a little perk over there for that. And guys, I am on there, and there are some good, there are some good buys right now. Jonathan Taylor shares are cheap. Go get you some John Taylor shares. AJ Dillon shares are cheap. Get some AJ Dillon shares and then just wait. Wait for that tweet from Shefty. Wait and watch things move. And I promise you, you're going to love it. So go check out Prediction Strike. Leave me a comment below. Tell me what a big dumb idiot I am for pushing it back on a narrative that is so long established. I appreciate you, IDP Army. You guys are the fucking shit. All right. Come back next week. I'm going to have more, more heat for y'all. It's kind of early in the morning again. I hope I articulated myself well. I am rambling, rambling, rambling. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Goodbye. Let the rain hit the sand. Build a house on a rock, got a plan. Gotta get stocks, keep them bands. Hear the clock tick, blades on a fan. Used to be mundane on a Monday. Now you have fun day on a Sunday. Cause you're switching it up and you're living it up.